Well, good morning. Wasn't that a blessing? Amen. Yeah, what a way to what a way to begin worship is uh, being reminded of the blood of, of Christ and the sacrifice uh, Himself on the cross for our sins. Man, what a wonderful reminder that is. I know that we are going to receive a blessing this morning, being led by our students of Piney Grove, and I like to think of our students as worshipers leading us in worship. They are just as much uh, worshipers as, as we are, as the praise team might be, or the choir, or whoever might be leading worship. They are as, just as much worshipers as anyone else who might come in and lead. And so we want to be praying for them. I do want to remind you of a couple of different things before I pray and, and let these guys come and lead you in worship. Up here to my left, to your right on this uh, lectern here is a couple of cards for some of our Folks who are going through a difficult time, uh, one is for Miss Lisa Artis and her, her daddy Jimmy passed away, and so we do want to lift them up in prayer. Uh, there's a card for, uh, for them, and also for our brother in the Lord, Michael Green. He and Sherry are in Chapel Hill. He is uh, receiving some uh, stem cell transplant. So if you will, on your way out, maybe you've signed it already, um, stop by and sign that. Give them a word of encouragement. Just uh, let them know that we love them and we're praying for them. There's many more in our community that we could probably lay cards out for as well. And so, hey, you know, send a, send a card to our folks. Let them know that we love them. Listen, we're going to turn it over to them in just a moment. But let me pray for us. Lord, we are thankful being reminded of the blood of Christ and that there is no other name under heaven in which men may be saved. It is not our good works. It isn't even our church attendance, Lord. It is the blood of Christ and his sacrifice. And that our Lord didn't stay in the grave, he rose again. And Father, we praise you this morning for that fact. God, I just pray that you would 
Just rest with these students this morning. Let them be led by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that their, uh, that their rehearsal and their practice and the things that they went over will go well, even though on occasion it may not be perfect, Lord. But, Father, I just pray that they would be obedient and just uh, do it the best of their ability to please you. Uh, you are the, really, uh, the only audience that really matters, Father, in the scheme of eternity. But we do offer our encouragement. We do offer our praise. And we want to join them in worship as they lead us, Lord. So, Father, I pray for them. Give them to you now. Lift them to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You almost got it to the right spot. Close enough. All right, well, we are uh, looking forward to leading worship this morning. We're going to start off and just sing a song for you guys. Um, and then following that, uh, we will um, invite you to join us as we worship this morning. Um, this song is really about just uh, how uh, we go through a, a life in a world that is broken, um, a world that, that tends to want to pull us away from the things of God. But God is faithful. He's merciful. And he, uh, he always uh, is right there when we need him, which is all the time. And uh, he, all, he calls us to him, and we're just thankful for what he's done for us. This is called Crown of Thorns. Took so many turns 
as we sing Days of Elijah. That's wrong. I have to mess up to, to help them uh, not be so nervous, all right? There you go, that's right. Do it again. There you go, I got it. All right, let's go. These are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the are the days of your servant Moses righteousness being restored and though these are days of great trial of famine and darkness and sword still we are the voice in the desert crying and the way of the Lord behold he comes riding on the clouds 
Continue worshiping with Build My Life. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Jesus, the 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. thank you that because of your love you went to the cross of Calvary in our place Lord and I pray that this morning as we continue to worship Lord that you would speak to our hearts through your word Lord that we would honor you that we would lift high your name Lord we thank you and we love you for all you do in Jesus name amen you may be seated
At this time, Wyatt Durham is going to come and read our corresponding scripture. Please stand for the reading of word. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to you, to your children, and shall talk with them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And now Chandler Todd will come with our missionary moment. Today is the last day for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. This offering goes to support missionaries and ministries in North America through the North American Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. If you want to give to this offering, please write on your check, Easter Offering. Tonight, we have a special service at 6. Curtis, Hyler, and Jubilation will be here to sing for us and lead us in worship. We will enjoy an evening of good music, followed by finger food afterwards in the fellowship hall. National Day of Prayer is this Thursday. Piney Grove will be participating at 10 a.m. at the front of the church. We encourage anyone who can join us as we pray for our church and our communities and our nation. Today is also the last day of donations for the food roundup for the Baptist Children's Home. If you have food or gift cards, please make sure they are in today. There is a box in front of the church for food donations the youth will be delivering these items next month. Here's a video about the roundup for the Baptist Children's Home. This time, Leslie Griffin is going to come with our student ministry moment. This year, our vacation Bible school will take place June 19th through June 23rd. There is a sign-up sheet on the board for anyone who would like to help. 
Please pray and consider how God would have us have you serve our kids in VBS. Please pray for our VBS and all the leaders. Next Sunday, May 7th at 4 p.m. is the God Loves You Tour in Edenton. This will be an evening of gospel preaching and excellent Christian music. Franklin Graham will be preaching a gospel message and the newsboys will have a concert. The youth will leave for this immediately following our Sunday service. If you have any questions about this event, please see Pastor Jason. Immediately following this service, we are having a soup and sandwich lunch in the fellowship hall. All proceeds for this lunch will go to help support our students this summer at both Central Kid and MPH. We thank you so much for supporting us and loving us, and we look forward to serving God at camp this summer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for, again, for all you do for us. We thank you that you allow us to be a part of your mission, Lord, and Lord, we pray that, uh, Lord, all the activities here at Piney Grove would be, uh, Lord, for your glory and for taking the gospel to this world. So we pray uh, your blessings over each of the activities, each of the things that we do. And Lord, just continue to lead us in worship this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue worshiping with a couple of songs. If you would, uh, stand with us as the band comes back up. And we will begin with a song called What He's Done. We've never done this song as a congregation, but it's pretty easy to pick up on. So if you would stand as we sing together. Savior bled for me, my Jesus set me free. Look at the wounds that give me life, grace flowing from his side, no greater sacrifice. What he's done, what he's done, all the glory and the sun my sins are forgiven my future is heaven I praise God for what he's done sing for the freedom he has won even death is dead and done his life has overcome Say the name above all names Over every broken place He is risen from the grave What He's done What He's done All the glory and the honor To the Son My sins are forgiven 
My future is heaven. And I praise God for what He's done. Now on the throne of Majesty, my Father's will come. He reigns in victory. Hallelujah to the King, He is worthy to receive all the worship we can bring. What He's done, what He's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son, my sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. And I praise God for what He's done. What He's done. What He's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. I praise God for what He's done. I praise God for what He's So we pour out our praise 
all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Sing that again. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. bear with us just a moment we're going to set up up here for a little skit uh, so we will be ready for that in just a second He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot seed, sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Let's go to
And this is our key verse. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Amen. Well, uh, we'll get a little explanation of that skit here in just a little bit um, through some of the message this morning. But uh, really the theme of today is, is Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, and is he your Lord? So uh, we're excited for two speakers today. Uh, every year I like to ask our seniors if any of them wants to speak, and this year Jake said uh, he would love to. Um, and Tyler asked again to speak if he could after last year. So Jake's going to come here in just a moment and share with us what God's put on his heart. And then when he's done, Tyler's going to come right behind him. So I'm going to pray for them. Uh, would you join me as we pray? Lord, we thank you again for all you do for us. Lord, I pray for Jake and I pray for Tyler, Lord, that you would, would help calm any nerves that they may have. Lord, I thank you for their dedication to want to share your word. Um, Lord, with, uh, with the people and with the church. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you would just give them, um, Lord, give them calmness, give them recollection of what they've studied and what they've prepared. Lord, I pray that it would be uh, a challenge to all of us. And, Lord, we thank you again for all you do for us, and I pray for them, lift them up to you. And uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you all hear me? Can you hear me? All right, All right thank you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be preaching on Romans 10, 9 through 13 today. Um, and the title I've put on the sermon today is Jesus is Lord. Um, I'm just going just gonna to read the verses first if y'all want to stand for the, for the reading of the word. The Apostle Paul said, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, 
for the same is for the same is Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Y'all can be seated. So we're just going to open this up. Um, I like to think of Romans as like a rich slice of cake because I can't just I can't just digest it all at once. I got to just take a fork and just eat little by little and just because there's so much to there's so much to unpack in Romans. Um, so I went through a lot of Romans and kind of settled on this on this this passage here. Um, so we're just going to start at the beginning of verse nine here. Um, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So confessing, confessing is very, very crucial in your walk and being saved and right with God. Um, confessing with your mouth um, what is in your heart is like, it's like getting water from a well, almost. If there's nothing down there, then there's no water going to come up. So... It's, it's very important that there's something in your heart first um, in order to, to, to verbally say that. Um, and confess in Greek means to say the same as. Um, so you're kind of saying the same thing as what is in your heart. But it's more than just a verbal confession. Um, when he says, if you confess with your mouth, mouth means openly, publicly, and unashamedly. So you are saying that Jesus is Lord, no matter what kind of criticism you may, you may run into. Um, and there's no, there's no secret agents or any people hiding camouflage in, in God's word or in God's army because it, it should not take an investigator to find out that you're a Christian. It should be so apparently obvious and just plain as day that you're a Christian by the way that you speak and represent yourself. Um, let's see. If you have true and saving faith in your heart, there will come out a profession that Jesus is Lord. It's just, it's going to happen from the Holy Spirit. Um, so these words are not like a key to the paradise of heaven. Saying Jesus is Lord isn't just going to, you just get zapped into heaven immediately. Um, in Matthew 7, 21, um, he says, Not everyone who says, to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So like I said, there's nothing, there's nothing magical about this saying, Jesus is Lord. Um, and you can see right there, Jesus is Lord in the, like the middle of verse 9. And um, Jesus is his name. Lord is his title. Like saying President Donald Trump. Okay? President is his title. Donald Trump is his name. So you're saying Jesus is Lord. But it's kind of hard to, to put emphasis on that word, Lord. So to kind of help um, put the weight of that word, um, Lord means sovereign one or master. And here's some other words to kind of feel the weight of that title. Um, Lord means ruler, governor, owner, supreme one, or sovereign one, sovereign power. So I kind of hope that helped understand the, the true um, weight of that title. So, he is Lord. He is the ruler, governor, owner. He's in charge of everything in your life. Every single square inch of your life is, is run by him. So when you profess 
that Jesus Christ is your Lord, you're saying that I'm no longer running my life. I am I'm not my own master anymore. I am, I'm not doing my own thing anymore. I am being completely, completely led by him, like a horse and buggy. If, if, you're, if you're, your master steers you to go left, you go left. If, if your master steers you to go right, you go right. If he cracks the whip, you go. And that's the same way with Jesus. And as, as, as bad as it may, may sound, um, you've, you're a slave to Christ whenever you are um, a believer. But everyone has a master, Satan, or a loving and honest and caring God. And me personally, I like it to be God. So, so to once, or going back to, to confessing, confessing is you saying that, like, you are my Savior, and He is everything, and I'm nothing. Like, I bring, I bring nothing to the table, really. Um, Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And this just means to live for His glory. You're doing everything for His glory, no matter what, no matter what it takes. You're just saying, like, you can have my life, Jesus. Like, do whatever you want with me. So, you are just a steward um, of the Lord, managing all these all these temporary possessions that he's put into your, your account. Um, you're saying that I am, I'm your servant, you're my master. So your talent is his talent, your job is his job, your time is all his, all his time. So you can't, you can't just ride the fence on this either. It can't just be, oh, I want to go. Maybe I'll be with Satan one day, and then I'll go to church, and I'll be, I'll be with, with Jesus, you know. It is everywhere you go, it must be Jesus is Lord. So that's kind of the end of the, the verbal confession um, topic. And then just kind of in conclusion to the verbal confession, it is just saying like, the realization that, um, that comes with life under leadership of Christ. Um, you're saying that I am under new, new management, you know, like a new boss at work or something. He gets there, and he's like, all right. He puts the hammer down, and he's like, this is how things are going to be run from now on. So now we're going we're gonna to enter the internal commitment. So at the end of verse 9 here, it says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So this is kind of the Apostle Paul just kind of tapping the brakes, stopping the car, and popping the, popping the hood and looking in the engine. He is... He's saying, what's, what's really in your heart, you know? So, believe means to commit. Commit to your life, your new life with Him. And just like you men and women that have already gotten married, said your vows, um, in your vows it says, I take blah, blah, blah to be my wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor." In sickness and in health, I promise to love you, love and cherish you. So this is saying key words in that, for better and for worse. So you are to love Jesus at your lowest points. You say Jesus is Lord at your lowest points. Or Jesus is Lord at your highest points. Always he needs to, to be at the tip of your tongue. Um, and this commitment is times 10,000 
times more um, important than this, than, than your commitment to marriage. I mean, because he is your Lord and Savior. And so this does not need to be taken lightly at all. To be saved, you must know, or kind of to, to backtrack um, and give a little overview of, of salvation. To be saved, you must know the gospel first and hear the gospel. Um, you must come to a realization that you are a great sinner and he is a great savior. And he, he offers a prepaid salvation and the sacrifice on the cross that he, that he put down. So after that stage of kind of knowing the gospel, um, you must overcome, you must be overcome with conviction. I know when I was, when I was saved, I was just overcome with the Holy Spirit and just emotion and conviction. And so you must, you absolutely must have this because the Holy Spirit will persuade you to what you've done wrong and it will convict you of your sins. Um, the Holy Spirit just comes inside of you and is like, hey man, you need this. You know? Um, and then the third step is the act of will. The step where you leave the kingdom of darkness and enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um, and I heard a really good illustration from um, Steve Lawson's podcast. Um, you, may, you may know him or may not. But he describes salvation as a sinking ship. It is like the captain coming on board and saying, we have hit an iceberg and we're going down. When you hear this and you're in your room, um, he's saying, like, get on, get on lifeboats. Um, and if you're just in your room, just sitting there being like, nah, we're not going down, we're, we're fine, then, then you're wrong. Because you need to just know that, I mean, you must feel led that this is happening, the, shink, the, the ship is going down, and, and I need to do something about it. Um, you, need to, you need to be persuaded to go get in those lifeboats. So if you're, uh, sorry. Um, so it's not that, it's not until there's like an alarm inside of you that's saying, hey, this is going on. I need to go get in a lifeboat, you know. I need to go get in a lifeboat and get lower down to be saved. Because if you just sit there, nothing's going to happen. No one's going to come and drag you out of your room. Everyone's so focused on themselves getting to, getting to, to salvation. Um, let's see where else. You must take that step of faith to get into that lifeboat and to be saved. So now we're kind of moving out of verse 9, finally. But um, like I said, it's like a, like a slice of cake. I just got to take it down bit by bit. Um, so at the end of verse 9 says, you will be saved, which is not, not saying, hey, your group of friends are going to be saved, or your church is going to be saved. That is you, just you individually, you are going to be saved. Um, so now coming into the beginning of verse 10, um, it kind of has scriptural um, clarification. So it says that, for with the heart one believes and is justified. So Paul is kind of um, is kind of intertwining scripture into scripture here. Um, for is kind of beginning an explanation. So these next four verse, verses, he is kind of breaking it down and giving an explanation for all this, all this stuff that he's saying. So, and also you can see that he says. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. So if you're breathing, if you're man, woman, whatever race you are, 
you must be saved. It's not just, not just one, one group of people. Everyone has the same problem. They, they have sin, and they, they need the same solution, which is Jesus. Everyone needs, everyone needs Jesus. Um, and everyone has the same response to Jesus, which is a heart commitment and a verbal confession. And so kind of wrapping it, wrapping it up here um, into verse 13. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is kind of like a follow-up to 11 and 12. Um, he is quoting Job 2, 32 um, as well. So he's saying, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're, Whatever you are, you like you must be saved. It is, if you're breathing, like I've already said, then you, you need to be saved. You must claim that Jesus is the Lord um, over your whole life. And there's some teaching saying that um, that you can have Christ as Savior, but don't have to fully commit to Him as Lord, which is just absolutely not true. I mean, it's like it's like eating a buffet. And then be like, I'll get some dessert, and then I'll get some steak later, like 10 years. No, like you're going to get it right now. Or like me knocking at someone's door and saying, hey, Jacob Metz is here. And then you're like, okay, Jacob can stay. Metz, got to go. Like you're getting, you're getting, you're getting all of them if you're, if you're getting them, you know. So you must put both feet into that boat and be fully committed to follow Jesus. And I have... I have never met anybody in my life, and if you have, then I'd, I'd love to talk about it. Um, anyone that said, I'm so, I, I regret following Jesus. I'm so sorry that I, I committed my life to Jesus and saying that he is over-promised and under-delivered. I, I've, never, I've never met anybody to say that either. Um, and if someone does say that, I would, I would question if they've ever really met Jesus. Um, and I feel like the only thing that they'd be wondering is, like, wait, sorry. I'm having a brain fart, sorry. <laughs> um, the only, th- okay, my bad. The only thing they'd be regretting is, like, why did I not do this sooner? That's the only thing they'd be regretting. Um, so now kind of wrapping everything up here, um, I want to challenge everyone. Have you put your full, full trust in Jesus? Have you, put, have you gotten in the boat to be saved yet? And if you are still kind of on the fence, then I challenge you to talk to me, Jason Tate, Larry, or one of our deacons here. We'd love, we'd love to talk to you. And that's my sermon. Got it. I'm gonna sit with them. Good morning. Well, I'm gonna start out. I'm gonna tell y'all a story. Um, so one Sunday when I was little, after church, me and my family were eating soup, and I asked my dad, "Hey, Dad, do bugs taste good?" And my mom says, Tyler, don't talk about stuff like that at the table. And my dad says, what'd you say? And I said, oh, nothing. There was a bug in your soup, but it disappeared. 
Anyway, I wanted to remind you all to come to the soup lunch afterwards. Um, have you ever noticed that on Christmas or Easter or Student Sunday that the crowd is full of people, but on other Sundays it looks like there's two or three empty seats per person that's here? It is important that we don't just come to church for the special services. The theme of the skit was how can we advance God's kingdom when we are so distracted by the things of this world. So I want to take a few moments this morning to talk about being fully committed to Christ. The scripture in the skit was from Mark chapter 4, but I would like to look at the same parable, this time from Matthew chapter 13. Please stand for the reading of the scripture. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered round him, and so he got into a boat. There, then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to people? He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away among the thorns and... No. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as have been planted. This parable is very unique as it is one of the few parables that Jesus openly explains after telling it. You may be seated. Today I would like to spend some time analyzing each seed in the parable and what they represent, and I would like to focus on one, specific, one seed specifically for most of our time. In verse 3 and 4, it begins with saying, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. 
As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Jesus explains what this means later in verse 19 when he says, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. This is saying that the seed that lands on the footpath represents people such as atheists who know or have heard the message but choose to ignore it, eventually discarding it. Continuing on, in verse 5 and 6 it says, Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun since they didn't have deep roots, and they died. Later in verse 20 and 21 he explains this saying, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. This means that the seeds that land on the rocky soil represent someone who who may have accepted the message, but because they did not have the commitment to studying God's word, they stray as soon as it gets difficult to proclaim Christianity. This is why understanding theology and reading your Bible is so important. Proverbs 10.25 says, When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. Next, in verse 7 of the parable, it says that other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Jesus explains this again in verse 22, saying, The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. This is the one that I want to spend the most time talking about. This is saying that if you hear the word but don't stay committed, the message slowly starts to be crowded out in the busyness of this modern life. It is important that we stay committed to expanding our knowledge of the gospel. One of the main ways we should do this is by attending church regularly. In the skit we performed, it begins with everyone in church. I like to think that this service must be Easter, Christmas, or Student Sunday because the seats are all full. The next scene in the skit shows most of the church members going off and doing various things such as shopping and playing ball and exercising, while church the next week is having little attendance. Now none of these things are bad and they could all be potentially used to honor God. However, if we let them replace our time and fellowship with other believers, they can be detrimental. In the song there is a line that goes, How can I further your kingdom when I'm so wrapped up in mine? If we do not know what we believe, we cannot share it with others. After this line in the song, the church members go and ask the people who were missing to come back. Some of them come back, and some of them leave and go do something else. We cannot let ourselves be the ones who do not come back. If you want to work out, shop, or go to that baseball game, do it another time. You should try your best to not make plans on Sunday. Your plans for Sunday should be church. Hebrews 10, 24-25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We should not forsake our meeting with other believers. Very often we use poor excuses not to come to church. In fact, some of these excuses are double standards in the fact that we wouldn't use these excuses to not have to go to work or to school. If someone feels just slightly queasy on a Sunday morning, they may use it as cause to not have to go to church. But if it were Monday, they would get themselves up and go to work or school anyway. We need to be committed to coming to church and also to reading the Word. Don't say, I'm too busy. If you've watched TV, played a game, watched a movie, or kept up with a sporting event, you could have spent that time reading your Bible. You have time. 
If you are worried that your coach or band director will be angry because you did not come to practice, tell them that it was for church and God will bless it. Finally, let's go back to the parable and read about the last seed. In verse 8 it says, Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was thirty, sixty, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. This is finally explained in verse 23. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Our calling as Christians is to share the gospel and bring people to Christ. If we stay committed to God's word, this is what will happen, and we should strive for it. In the skit, when Berkeley goes to get Gabe and brings him to church, this is what this is showing. We are called to be fully committed to Christ and telling others about him. This is what the final seed represents. If we are not fully committed, we will become like the seed that fell on the thorns. In closing, this is my challenge for you today. Are you letting the distractions of the world keep you from God? Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for letting us have a worshipful day today and allowing us to lead our church in worship. I pray if anyone here today has never trusted Jesus as Lord, that they will not leave today without talking about that with Pastor Larry or my dad. I pray that all of us would be careful to not let the distractions and busyness of our lives pull us away from our commitment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Didn't they do a good job? We're going to just real quickly have a song of response. Um, Bethany's going to come and help me sing Sanctuary. Um, and then following that, Weston's going to come and uh, give us a benediction. And he's going to pray for the food. And uh, then we're going to do one little quick... Uh, song just to kind of close it all out but uh, for right now uh, you know we've heard the message I I think of the scripture um, that that Tyler read where Jesus was answering uh, the disciples when they asked you know why do you teach in parables and he pretty much told them he said well for those who listen to my word for those who listen they, they understand the kingdom of God, but for those who are not listening, the, the kingdom of God is not revealed to them. You know, we sit under the gospel every week. Uh, we live in a time where we have access to the gospel like never before. You can open up your phone um, and look, look up any version of the Bible um, for whatever reading level you're comfortable with. I mean, it's, it, we live in a time when, when exposure to the gospel is, uh, is right there in the palm of our hand. Um, and and I just think about that verse, you know, are we listening to God's voice? Is he Lord? You know, Jake laid out uh, how only Jesus is Lord and how he calls us to follow him with all of us, not just part, but with our entire life. Um, and then, as Tyler said, 
Uh, we must be careful not to let the distractions of life uh, call us away and, dr and draw, uh, draw us away um, from what we're called to do as believers. And that is to uh, grow in our faith and ultimately to uh, lead others um, towards Christ through sharing the gospel. So if you would, let's stand together um, as we sing Sanctuary. To be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you, Lord, to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. You may be seated, and Weston, if you will come and pray for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to come into your house and worship you. Thank you for the message that was given to us by Jake and Tyler, and thank you for giving them the courage to come up and deliver it in front of the church body. And dear Lord, I pray as we go out into our week, we'll be able to just show love and show kindness and try and share your word in as many different ways possible. And I thank you for this meal that's been prepared, and thank you for the hands that prepared it. In your son's name I pray. Amen. We're going to close out with just a chorus and a little ending of Days of Elijah. So uh, sing along with us. Stand up and sing along with us. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. Hear up to believe, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 There's no God like Jehovah.
day today and hope that you will join us in the back for soup and sandwich and even though Tyler made that joke I promise you as far as I know there are no bugs in it. They're good. Thank you. We are dismissed.